now, right? That's great, man. Give it up for this band. There's a couple new guys up here, man. You guys knocked it down. Thank you. So, so cool. Hey, my name's Carrie. If you're new, welcome. Thanks for coming to The Awakening. We're glad that you're here. We are in a fun time of the year, I believe. We're closing out the summer weeks, and we're getting ready to head into the fall. And uh, God's got exciting things for us, as Josh mentioned, with our transition. And uh, you'll hear more about that. I really want to encourage you to come tonight at 5 o'clock. The wall is actually the auditorium wall that we just built in the last number of days. And so uh, we are trying to uh, accommodate all the different plans and visions within this 20,000 square foot facility that God has uh, provided for us to use in this season of our ministry. And uh, we'll give some updates and we'll spend time in prayer. And I tell you what, those um, words that God asks you to write on the wall... Let them be spirit-led. It's really a sacred kind of moment to be able to discern from God how we need to be pressing forward in our relocation effort to um, uh, serve his purposes in this valley. And it may be a verse. It may be a ministry God's laid on your heart. It may just be a word of affirmation of what God's doing for us as a body. And uh, come, be a part of uh, the pizza party prayer uh, signing party tonight at 5. Well, as Josh mentioned, this is transition week for many of us who are parents and for many who are students this morning. It's back to school time. And so I figured we would just pause here on back to school time and get a jump start um, with a um, talk called Wisdom Proverbs and Back to School. Right now, your children, your students have no assignments. So I am going to end today with the first assignment for the fall, back to school time. How about that? Right? And uh, so you can perk up. You can get excited about that because it's not just for the students this morning. It's also for parents and all adults because we are back to school. Back to school in God's word, back to school in serving his purposes. Uh, We come and go a little bit during the summer, but focus, get time. I used to wait until like September on the other side of Labor Day to really give a challenge and a charge to church folks to say, hey, get back in the game spiritually. But I've realized that we have to be first and not allow other people to press in on our agendas. And I appreciate, uh, Josh, how you put it there for life groups. We'll be talking about those soon in the next couple, three weeks. Make sure as you're mapping out your week that there's time to be involved in connection and encouragement and spiritual growth one with another. Thankfully, I have a beautiful wife who has served faithfully in getting our daughter enrolled in high school this week. I'm amazed that uh, she's a freshman. But I've been here before. We've done this three other times with our three boys. The freshman year is a great year because you walk into high school with nothing on your GPA, You can start out with a fresh, clean slate when you're a freshman. And when you're a freshman, they need to have this. I don't know if it was in her orientation this week or in your orientation this week if you're a freshman. But if you are a freshman, the clock now begins concerning how you might be able to fund your way in college. You don't wake up a year or two later. Yes, that's what happens. And go, oh my goodness, uh, these uh, grades really do matter when it comes to not only getting into college, but to be able to have uh, substance and scholarships and those kinds of things. So she's beginning that, and hopefully she won't hear it pounded too much, but she's a very disciplined student, so I'm encouraged by that. But we've been here before because the four years pass very quickly. Some of you know that our oldest son, Ryan, came to California before we ever moved here from Indiana. And we had no idea that we would be transplanted by God to California from the Midwest. And I can still freshly remember, as Melissa does, when we dropped that boy off at Azusa Pacific up here uh, just north of us. And uh, we, had, uh, we had a lot of uh, hugs and encouragement. And then when he slipped through the crack of this one rose garden to go out to the football stadium where all the kids were, he just leaned back one last time and said bye. And then we lost it. We lost it going to the parking lot. Oh, we're going to leave our boy 2,000 miles away. This is our first one, right? 
And you think in that moment that your world sort of come to an end, but you as parents are touched deeply because you know that this is a significant transition in life, not just because it's 2,000 miles away, but stepping into the college world, stepping into the ages that they are in that season, they are becoming much more independent and they're on their own. And the question is, have you packed their bags well? Still one of the most stirring dramatizations I ever experienced in a leadership conference was when they demonstrated that packing of the bags of the student going off to college with the parents and an interaction and this and that. And as the student walked off the stage with their bags, they brought the drama back around and sort of drama and arts have a way of sort of catching you in the heart, not through the head. And the question was, have you packed their bags well spiritually? for what they're going to encounter in life. You see, we think through a lot of things such as, well, are they going to be able to to, uh, earn a good income? Are they going to be able to um, live life with integrity and those kinds of things? And that's good. Or or maybe they'll find a spouse or or we need to pray for them. But where are they at spiritually to encounter what they're going to be up against? And we can say not not for just a freshman entering college, but a freshman entering high school or your um, young child moving into middle school, whatever it may be. How well are we doing as parents in preparing our children for the future? But it's just not parents. How well are you prepared to enter your workplace in the back-to-school season? How well prepared are you, not just emotionally and financially and stability, but when it comes down to who you are as an individual and your faith and your strength and your knowledge and your love of God and your ability to discern wisely walking through uh, the nine to five workday or more, how well prepared are you? You see, we should never stop going back to school. All of us are really in an apprenticeship kind of process. The scriptures say in Revelation, on the final day, to him who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me, right? There is a much bigger picture than these 70, 80, 90 years if God would so bless us here on this earth that's going on. These are preparation days to rule and to reign with God through all of eternity and to bring about his influence in our world at hand. And so whether you've been a long-time Christ follower or you're just sort of new today checking out what it would mean to have a relationship with God, you need to know this. God is interested in packing your bags well to live the game of life well and to serve the purposes of his kingdom well here on earth as we seek to bring it about as it is in heaven. And so chalkboard, wisdom, Proverbs, back to school. Proverbs is a book that should be a regular part of our diet, a regular part of our plan in life. Proverbs was written by who? Do you know? Solomon. Now, Solomon was who? He was the son of David. And he was a foolish, ignorant, stupid person. No, that's not what Scripture teaches about Solomon. Scripture teaches that Solomon was one of the wisest people ever to walk on this earth. In fact, this was what it says in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 through 34. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And Egypt was seen as up there. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles, fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Now, here's one piece of advice when you go to school, whether in high school, if you can navigate it, not so much probably there as you can in college. I started to learn very early on in my academic world, and I still live in the academic world with some of my graduate studies, that the best way to pick the courses 
is not always to go by the title of what the course is, but to find out who the teacher is. Because the great professors are who I wanted to sit underneath. And whether he or she was available determined a lot of times if I was going to take a course. Because I wanted to sit underneath them. Well, you and I have an opportunity to sit underneath one of the wisest, smartest people that ever existed in the world. His name is Solomon. And he was one of the kings of Israel. He was the son of David. And Solomon wrote Proverbs for you and I to not just be intellectually smart. That's one thing. But far greater than that is to be a very wise, discerning person. Have you ever come across people who are really smart but don't have any common sense or wisdom sometimes? That can happen. I don't want to be one of those people. If I had to choose between intellectual accolades and wisdom, let me choose wisdom. So would you be seen as a wise person? Would your child, your student, be seen as a wise person? Are you packing their bags so that they will move into life with great wisdom? Or do you have other agendas for them? Because when all's said and done, it really doesn't matter what you take into eternity. It doesn't matter your titles, your wealth, those kinds of things don't carry with you. But who you are as a person moving into what God's kingdom is about and rule and reigning with him is the grander vision, the grander picture. Are you a wise person? Do you need to go back to school to learn to be wise? I've been asking the Lord that this week as I was discerning what to, direction to work our way towards. And so what I'd like you to do is to take your Bibles, if you have them, if you have them with you or if you have it on your electronic device, you can download the U version, whatever. I want to read just the first few verses of Proverbs by this very wise professor, this wise person of God concerning life. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. Through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction and discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will make simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the depth of meaning in these Proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles. So that's the introduction. Setting you up, sort of like the course syllabus, right? Here we go. This is what it's going to be about. Here's your syllabus. This is your text. We're going to be walking through it. Then the first proverb comes. Proverbs 1, seven. First one. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. This proverb is actually repeated in some other places. One is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We have a greater responsibility today as a church family. And you have a greater responsibility as parents or grandparents, aunts, uncles, to be able to teach the younger generation and to encourage them in the way of the Lord. Are they going to get the answer to that kind of command in their high schools, their middle schools, their elementary schools this week, that one of the greatest places to begin for wisdom and knowledge and understanding is to begin with the fear of the Lord and knowing who the Holy One is. That's not going to be brought up. Unless you're going to a Christian school, private school, maybe if you're homeschooling and given instruction there, we have a responsibility to do that. Right now, there's some people knocking it down next door in the other building, teaching our elementary students and our preschool kids. What they're doing is more important than what you're doing sitting in here. I'm sorry. It just sort of is. 
because they are seeking not to, to just give care to children, even if they're young. They are nurturing them in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Even if they have an infant child that they're holding and encouraging, what are they doing? They're providing protection, safety for them. A young boy, a young girl, maybe their first concept of somebody who is a part of a God church, whatever that might mean to them, is that teacher that is giving them eye-to-eye contact and loving on them and teaching them very simple things. Their first understanding of God can come through you. And I say that to encourage all of you who are part of our children's ministry. When we transition to a new location, this is huge. Who we're going to be going after are families. Doesn't mean we're not going after your generation or younger. We're going to be going after families, especially families with young kids. Because that's where the formative opportunity stands. And we need to own that as a church body. And, and we continue to do that. And there's going to be some stepping up, actually, as we step into this whole thing of, of being able to provide. Melissa just shared with me, our children's director, my wife, right beforehand, she says, I had three people sort of back away from serving today. Oh, when there's different reasons, that's all fine. I understand that. But the importance of us as a church family to teach children, students, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding. It's our role and our responsibility. We can no longer defer it thinking it's going to be picked up elsewhere. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, in Proverbs, Solomon here, he actually gives reference to um, the fear of the Lord about 18 different times. And what I'm going to do here today in Proverbs is I'm picking out three Proverbs, just three. All right? There's a lot of them all the way through Proverbs, right? All 30, 31 chapters, okay? These three happen to be the top three, all right? The top three, who says? You know, who comes up with that idea? Well, because you have all this search mechanism online, those kinds of things, you find out what is the top search kind of proverb that people are looking for. All right, and so the Proverbs 1 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, only fools despise wisdom and discipline, is third from the top. And um, this, along with that, is that kind of wisdom that's being instructed. The fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? <gasps> oh my goodness! Ah! He's going to whop me on the head with a big club! He's going to yell at me. His fire is going to come out of his mouth. He's going to send me to hell. Is that the kind of fear of the Lord? That's where our minds go because we don't have a rightful understanding of fear. All right? The fear of the Lord in the bigger picture is his awesomeness, his greatness, and a reverence. We don't live in a culture that reveres people much anymore, sadly. All right? Even younger to older generations, even people that are in positions of authority power, we're taught to be skeptic and demeaning, and you see the buzz happening in social media and culture and television media all day, all week long. A lack of respect, if you will, a reverence. But it's just not this idea that you need to fear the Lord and His greatness and awesomeness. There is a little bit of trepidation that needs to be carried with you and I. You see, part of us don't like to have this idea of the fear of the Lord taught because we want to move on to the things that are sort of, well, you know, a little bit more kinder, nicer, more encouraging. Let me tell you this initially. The whole understanding of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's empathy, all right? All that is a great fear as well. It's it's His awesomeness, all right? You're holding that. But what I'm talking about here is the need maybe for us especially as followers of the Lord, just take a few steps back and go, you know, he's, he's not only awesome and great and loving and forgiving and powerful to do all things, but I'm a little bit scared of him. Scared in a healthy, good way. A sense of reverence of all. Have you ever caught yourself in fear before? Maybe I, I learned this week some people don't like to be up on a lift doing the wall they're fearful of heights right and 
No, Frank, you did great. You really did great. You overcame your fear. I saw it happen this week. You got those screws in the drywall. You did great. But uh, I, I used to work like 100, 150 feet up in the air growing up on the farm doing some stuff, and so that wasn't that big of a deal. Now as I get older, I have more of a fear. I don't really care to be at those heights doing some of the silly things I did back then. Um, but a fear when you're like, oh, like you ever tried to go surfing? Some of you are probably good surfers or whatever. I'm not. I've only tried a couple times. I like the rafts. Let me just do that. But even with that, the waves down here are big. Have you ever gotten thrown under and had fear that you weren't going to come back up? And you're looking for <gasps> something that just captures you. There's this fear aspect. Well, that's sort of what I want to weigh into a little bit. What kind of God are you really serving? Are you serving a God that's manageable, that's kind? Yes, Jesus is a representation of God and everything. Only, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus has done that, it says in John. But, but then there's other passages, you know, where like Moses said, I want to see you, God. And he says, you can't handle it. So he told him to tuck himself in the crevice of a rock and he was going to walk by him and showing him his hind parts. He says, you can't even handle my glory. Or what about Jesus when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And, um, and the glory of the God shone in him and all of his transcendent whiteness, the whitest white, and they fell on their faces and Peter was like, oh my goodness, we're gonna, this is incredible, this is undone. There's that fear. Or what about Isaiah? When Isaiah says that, that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and the cherubim were crying out to the others, holy, holy, holy. I mean, there's some awesome stuff. You and I are going to be terrified when we see God on the final day. We're going to love him, but we're going to take some steps back and we're going to go, oh, oh, woe is me who am I. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Students, parents, adults, do you have a healthy fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord will not drive you away, however. The fear of the Lord will cause you to run to Him. As a child runs to the father that he has when he isn't caught in fear, that safety, that security. And if you want wisdom, if you want understanding, elevate your concept of who God is and all of his awesomeness. Because that's where wisdom begins. How many people try to be wise and, and knowledgeable and, and uh, use their intellectual proudnesses in our world with God totally vacant from their life? That's how you get into some of that lack of common sense or where's the wisdom at? It's like you want to be wise, all-knowing, knowledgeable, then set your hearts to understand the awesome fear of the most holy God who loves you. Who sent his son to redeem you. But who sits, sits still overseeing all the vastness of the universe. And who can create things in an instant. Who can stem the tide of evil with a specific choice. That is the God that you and I serve. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Mark it down. Write it down. Put it in your notebooks. We're going to have a test next week. On what the third to the most sought after proverb is. I'm actually not going to give you this test, so don't go out here and worry about that. But is that something that's hidden in your heart? When you're faced with the challenges of your everyday life, something happens at work, somebody did you wrong, something fell through that you wish would have come about. When you're at your wit's end trying to pull things out financially, make your ends meet, do you circle back around to a verse like this? I need wisdom. I need something more than just intellectual proudness and, and cognitive application. I need to have words from God. You draw near to God. And he will draw near to you and you will have knowledge and wisdom in due time. 
See, it's an intimacy thing. If you are intimate with God, you do not need to be intimidated by anyone. You run to your father. That bully at school, those people that don't talk to you when you show up at a new place, those people that sort of undermining for your position at work, you don't need to fear them if you fear the Lord. Being intimate with God will keep you from being intimidated by others. You trust in who He is. Proverb 1. Next proverb for today's class. Do you recognize this one? Second most sought after verse from Proverbs. Probably right now, probably every day. If you have children, especially young ones, right? Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, there's different ways to look at this particular proverb. As Solomon laid it out, though, he's exhorting a principle in general. And you need to understand this about Proverbs. Proverbs are not 100% absolute guaranteed promises. They are general words of wisdom. They outline principles. But God has given each of us a free will. And we can pull back and we can be defined against God. We can go in our own direction. And so can your child. And so it's no guarantee that if you train up a child in the way he should go, that he uh, will not turn from it or she will not turn from it as they get older. In fact, there's heartache even in this room by some of us, you know, in the parenting world where we're disappointed with how our children are living their lives. Or maybe we're disappointed with, with their lack of a relationship with God and we're like, well, we had them in church. Everyone has their own will. But general principle is to train a child in the way he should go. He will not, when he's old, he will not turn from it is true. Now, what does this mean? Let's start with the word train. It's actually, there's a Hebrew word behind this word train that's quite uh, picturesque. If you can picture a mother with a young infant taking a morsel of food to the baby's mouth. That's the picture behind this word train. And you would never get that uh, from them using the word train, all right? But when you have an infant, can they feed themselves? No. So you as a parent are responsible to feed them, to nourish them. Otherwise, they're not going to grow. They will end up dying, right? And so you take it upon yourself to train them to really nurture and nourish them as they're starting out. So let that picture be there. You're taking that initiative. Now, what are you taking that initiative to do? You're training them in the way they should go. Now, there's a couple different ways that scholars and different commentary people wrestle with this passage, and I've taken it both different ways at different times. And so I think both are embedded there. One is to say in the way they should go is to train them in their uniqueness and how that they are made. All right? And that is very true. In fact, one of the first lessons, parents, we have to learn is that each of our kids are different. They may come out of the same womb, but they are different, right? I thought my first three were boys. I thought they'd all be alike. They could not be more different, all right? I won't go into that, but I've had to become a student of my sons because they're different. And I need to lead them and encourage them in a manner that's helpful, for how God's made them. So when it says train up a child in the way they should go, there's that aspect to it with your children. Become a student of your child. But really this reference in the way they should go, the way is referring to the way of the Lord. And all through Proverbs, as well we said, the fear of the Lord, the Lord is actually in capital letters, the Lord is referring to Yahweh, the one true God, the great and mighty God. So train up a child in the way they should go, that they should go in the way of God, in his righteousness, in his holiness, in his understanding. You are trying to bring the morsel of food to their mouth to help them understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And understanding and to walk life out with the Lord Jesus Christ as their leader, as well as their forgiver and their savior. So you are training up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, ah, they may or may not have interest in God. Well, right now they may not. 
But I tell you what, if we've done our job well, they will never, ever move away from knowing that their parents love them, care for them, praying for them, and live for God. And many a times, not always, many a times, they turn back. A lot of times when they have their own kids and they go, oh my goodness, what do I do with this? What did my parents do? Do your kids have images? I've had to ask myself this the week because life gets busy and full and my head's not in the game in the parenting world sometimes. I'm like, what is the image and impression my children get from me? Do they know that I pray for them? Do they know that I care for them? Do they know that I seek to put God first in my life and all of our decisions? Because they're watching. They're watching. You know, it's said, um, I think it's in a book called Parenting God's Way, that there's actually four seasons in a child's life. There is the discipline season, which is from infants to five years old, and you sort of tell them who's boss. No, you're showing them authority and who's responsible to take care of them, but for also who's going to correct them as a child, and you're not going to dis, you know, misbehave in this direction. So there's that discipline phase from zero to five, but then there's the uh, next phase, which is sort of like a training phase, uh, if I can say that, that's like from 6 to 12. You are actually taking them and showing them. You're giving them instruction. This is how it's done, that kind of thing. You are training them in those ages. Then when they hit the 13 category, the 13 to the, we'll go up to 19, we'll keep the all teens in there, it sort of turns into more of a coaching season. You can't be out there living their life for them at their school or on the athletic field or whatever it may be. The parent is now more in a coaching kind of role. You're still given godly instruction, you're discerning, you're modeling, those kinds of things, but you've moved into more coaching role. And then they say on the heels of that moving on up 20, 20 plus, you've still got your relationship and it moves into more of a friendship kind of dimension. And wise parents know when to transition a little bit from one stage to the next. And I tell you what, one of the joys, I know this is true of Melissa and I right now, one of the joys is we're interacting with our adult children is the friendship that we have with them. And they're walking with the Lord, which we praise the Lord about, and wanting to serve Him. Parenting is so daily, isn't it? But you're preparing friendships, not only for a lifetime, but for eternity. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. But I want to give strong exhortation to those of you who have younger children or younger even students. The New International Version first came out in 84. Uh, they updated it a few years later. That's why sometimes when you hear me use verses or if I quote verses, you're like, that's not what my Bible says. It's because they changed it on me, right? I'm an 84 kind of guy with the NIV. They changed it to this. They changed it, that word train, to start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Parents, it's our responsibility to feed our children spiritual nourishment. You hear me get on my little hobby horse with this sometimes, and so back to school time, it's my time to do it again. Have your children in church. Churches aren't perfect. We're not perfect. But they need to see the priority of worshiping God. And any small morsels they may pick up in church environments, interacting with peers, uh, sitting in a class is helpful. That it's not optional. We should not let other things trump being in the house of the Lord on the first day of the week. Now, I understand there's things to do. I have vacation time here. There, I understand that. So this isn't a pastor beat up everybody about get your bodies in church. But there is a looseness that exists in our generation concerning the priority of spiritual nurturing and development with our children related to a church family, as Josh was talking about. It's one of the greatest gifts you can pass on to your children is a biblical community of people they love and grow with. I think that's the exciting thing when I watch student ministry, when they come and meet on Tuesdays or Thursdays or do other kinds of things, is they have a community of support 
and that support carries over into school settings sometimes, but those relationships do not happen unless there's not a diligence. Our responsibility, starting our children off, and I would say it's through the discipline years, through the training years, through the coaching years, is to make sure that they are in the house of the Lord. My 21-year-old last night came into my room. He says, he says how's it going? I go, it's doing all right. I think Proverbs is going to be some good words of wisdom for us tomorrow. He says, good. I said, you going to church tomorrow? Yeah. I said, where are you going to go, the Awakening or the Grove? The Grove's the church he's actually going to be interning at up in Moreno Valley. He said, I'm going to go to the Grove. I said, all right. He says, yeah, man, I wish they had a 10 o'clock service because their 8.30 service, that's too early for me to get up and get there. Dad, do not ever do a service at 10.45 because at 10.45 all you're thinking about is, wow, it's going to be late for me eating. <laughs> That's what he said to me last night. I said, all right, we're, we're just going to stay with 10 o'clock when we do our move. If we grow, I might have to go to two services. We'll see what happens with that. But as he walked out of the room, I thought to myself, praise God, my 21-year-old wants to be in the house of the Lord, and he sees it as a discipline in his life, and not only to be there but to be a part of the community that he's now going to be serving as an intern for this year and all that God has in store for him. But that doesn't happen by chance. It's not a guarantee that they will always do it. But at least have no regrets. Have no regrets as parents. Don't be negligent on having your children in the house of the Lord and learning and growing. Who knows? They may just pick up some word of advice or encouragement that helps them in their life. All right, so we looked at uh, the number three to the top. This is the number two to the top. This is the top verse the top proverb that's sought for on social media. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Some of you can quote it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. You heard that verse? Any of you got that verse memorized? That's a good verse to have memorized. There, some homework for you right there. How about that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lord, capital letters, Yahweh, the one true God, the awesome, fearful God, who is in control of all things, including your life, and gives you the breath that you have today and tomorrow. Trust in Him with all of your heart. And that trust is a full-weighted response. It's, it's not like a, a nice little casual glance of, oh, yeah, I'm going to think through this on my own. I'm going to come back and try to think through it from God's perspective, and I'm just going to trust him. You need to physically put all of your weight on trusting the Lord in the situation you're in this morning that's perplexing you, and you're going to go to bed thinking about again tonight. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. And lean not, all right, the word lean, like you're walking around, it's Jim, right, that you're new today, or been around a little bit, interact with you. He's got the walker. And when you walk, you have to lean on the walker, right? It's that kind of thing that as you're walking around in life, lean not on just your own understanding. It doesn't mean that you don't need to think through it, to add them all up and figure out what the conclusion could be, or here's option A, option B, and option C, and now I'm going to ask for advice from some other people, and I'm going to discern what's best, and then i got to make a decision by Tuesday, so I'm going to make a decision Tuesday on this. It doesn't mean that you don't do that kind of thing. But when push comes to shove, you're going to trust in the Lord, and you're going to lean not on your walker of your own smarts, and creative discernment, you're going to lean on the walker of who this awesome, almighty, fearsome God is. And guess what? Sometimes God tells you to do something that doesn't make a lot of earthly sense. But you trust Him. And sometimes God's going to call you to do something where you're going to lean into trusting Him that you don't really see any rhyme or reason why and you can't clearly discern even what He's telling you to do, but He just may say, wait, trust, hold on. Are there some things right now that you wish you knew that you don't know about your life? I wish I knew this, right? I'm coming across... um, People that I studied with, they were going to be missionaries in other countries. It's like, where are you going to go be a missionary at? I don't know. Really? You don't have any inkling of where you want to be? Uh, yeah, maybe say, gave, but 
God's called me to prepare to be a missionary, and I'm going to trust him to tell me where I'm going to supposed to go in the world. You will need to know, you will know what you need to know when you need to know it according to God. And sometimes you just need to take the next step. Trusting in him, leaning not on your own understanding, and the next step, and the next step, and he will part the waters. He will let you know you just live up to what you have been told to do so far. This whole relocation thing, some of you guys know this. Some of you are on this journey with the commitment you made. I'm like, definitely my wife and I are like, okay, we're trusting this one. All we know is God said, step. Trust in me, the Lord says. Lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't mean that you're just supposed to be going out and be foolish. This is not what that verse is saying. What this verse is saying, your own understanding is, is important to be there. And God gives you a mind. He gives you situational circumstances. He gives you friends around you. But when push comes to shove, what you ultimately lean on is not your own understanding. You lean on trusting God. And in trusting God, you need to acknowledge him in all ways. So really the question for some of us as it relates to, duh, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Or should I take this step or take that step? God says it really is not about what you're doing. It's about who you're becoming. And I just really need you to be leaning on me and trusting in me, fearing me in a rightful sense, revering me. This is about who you're becoming, Carrie, not about what you're doing. I don't know how many times God's brought that word back to me over the course of my life. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about who I'm becoming. And from young children to senior citizens, we're all in the same camp. He's interested in us becoming like his son, Jesus Christ. A co-heir with Christ to rule and reign with him, then that Christ-likeness is being formed in you and I. So when it comes to some of the big decisions, maybe you got troubles in, on the home front, Maybe you got troubles in a marriage. Maybe you have troubles in a workplace environment. You need to first answer the question, are you acknowledging God in all of your ways? I don't know how many times I've pointed the finger at the other person. You know, as they say, you're pointing the finger there, and then there's three pointing back at you. It's not them, 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 them. It's me, me, me. So what is it that I am doing or not doing? What is it that I'm ignoring of God's almighty glory that is keeping me from Becoming who he's called me to be. Do I acknowledge him in all my ways? And that comes back to central part of wisdom. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. You cannot go wrong. Even if you are astray this morning, you're indifferent. Maybe you were drugged here by somebody and you're not quite sure why you're sitting in one of these chairs. I just want you to know it's not simplistic. It's just true. The answer for your life begins in all your ways acknowledging him for who he is. And he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths in his time. Ever been on a bumpy road? Been on a detour? They've been frustrating? All right? We've all been there. God's going to circle back around. He's going to make those paths straight. He's going to fill in the potholes. He's going to straighten out the bends. He's going to be able to, to make the pathway clear, knock down the detour, move forward. He will make your path straight. So let's say this together. You ready? Trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Sometimes it's the old news that we just need to hear again. How beautiful is that truth for us this morning? Wisdom, Proverbs, and back to school. Here's your assignment. Do you know how many Proverbs chapters there are? Look it up. How many? 31. Several months have 31 days. Some months have less than that. That's fine. You can double up. I encourage you to take one chapter of Proverbs per day and just read through it. It's really not that hard. And it doesn't take that long. And you'll be surprised how just a simple truth, an acknowledgement of truth from Solomon, the wisest, one of the wisest people in all the world, you get to sit before him as a professor. And he's going to teach you. 
You don't even have to turn in an assignment. I had the opportunity this week to uh, teach a two-hour class to um, students, uh, young pastors that were in their ordination track to be ordained. And uh, some of you know Steve Riley goes to our church. He sort of oversees that program in our denominations district. And, and so I asked him before class, you know, there's supposed to be this assignment uh, I saw from the prior teacher of this course. There's like six or seven courses that you're supposed to take, um, classes you're supposed to take when you're in your ordination process. And I said, he gave an assignment. Do I need to give an assignment? And he says, well, it's up to you if you feel you need to give an assignment. If you give an assignment, then you need to, to grade the assignments. I'm going, oh, that's a different thing. And um, life's pretty busy right now, I was thinking. And he says, you know, different people learn different ways, you know, so we try to lean into that. So if, you know, what you're teaching on, and I was teaching on Christ, our Savior, the atonement, salvation, soteriology is a big word kind of thing. And um, so I get to the end of class, and Steve had told me this beforehand. I say, class, I was told by Steve, who leads this, that if I didn't give you an assignment, I would be the most popular instructor you've ever had in these courses. And so you do not have to write a little mini paper for this class. Thank you very much. Let's pray. (laughs) Isn't that great when your teacher says that kind of thing? So I'm very mindful when I'm giving you an instruction here, like, oh, homework, homework. I'm not even back in school yet this week. Really do this. I'm past that. I've got things to do. or i got my own little devotional I do. I'm just like, hey, I'm not going to grade it, okay? And I'm not going to look over your shoulder. I'm not going to ask you next week. But I'm going to encourage you to do something that I myself am going to seek to do. I haven't done this for a while, is that read one chapter in Proverbs per day for a month. And I'm going to read it on the New Living Translation because I've never done that before. And so a little bit different flair, different life to it. And so I'm going to do your assignment for today. You ready? Here we go. Proverbs 12.1. It starts out this way. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. How do you like that? That's for the students this week as you get ready to deal with those hard-nosed teachers. I'm going to read this, though, and um, you just dial in. These are Proverbs. This is what your assignment will entail for the next 31 days, if you so choose to pick it up. The Lord approves of those who are good, but he condemns those who plan wickedness. Wickedness never brings stability. Only the godly have deep roots. A worthy wife is her husband's joy and crown. A shameful wife saps his strength. The plans of the godly are just. The advice of the wicked is treacherous. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. The wicked perish and are gone, but the children of the godly stand firm. Everyone admires a person with good sense, but a warped mind is despised. It is better to be a nobody with a servant than to be a self-important person but have no food. The godly are concerned for the welfare of their animals, but even kindness of the wicked is cruel. Hard work means prosperity. Only fools idle away their time. Thieves are jealous of each other's loot, while the godly bear their own fruit. The wicked are trapped by their own words, but the godly escape such trouble. People can get many goods by the words, good things, by the words they say. The work of their hands also gives them many benefits. Fools think they need no advice, but the wise listen to others. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Truth stands the test of time. Lies are soon exposed. Deceit fills hearts that are plotting evil. Joy fills hearts that are planning peace. No real harm befalls the godly but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord hates those who don't keep their word, but he delights in those who do. Wise people don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their folly. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. Lazy people don't even cook The game they catch, but the diligent make use of everything they find. In the last Proverbs, the way of the godly leads to life. Their path, that path, does not lead to death. Students, as we close, we're going to pray for you. But I want you to know something. The wisdom of these Proverbs will never be taught to you in school. You need to seek out the instruction on your own. And parents, 
We need to train our children in the way they should go. There is much wisdom to be gained. Stop listening to the babbling of the world. Joe, you got a song to close with. I'm going to pray for us. What I'd like to do is if you're heading back to school this week, little or old, would you mind standing because we're going to pray for you. You guys are going back to school. 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 They're not ready to take instructions yet. There you go. We're going to close in prayer. I want us to pray for not only the children there to hear or the ones that are crossed our way, for those who are finishing out their vacation world for the summer. Um, we get to do this. We get to steward the wisdom and the knowledge of an almighty God, leading our children to a, not only a personal relationship with him, but leading them into wisdom and understanding, depth of insight, into intimacy with God himself. Let's pray for our students. Lord Jesus, this morning we thank you that we have the opportunity to go back to school each and every day as your Holy Spirit instructs us. And so as we pray for our students heading back to school this week, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be rich in their life to come upon their life, to strengthen them, to empower them, to draw them to you, Jesus. Then even with some uncertainties of what's before them stepping into this school year, they would know the awesome, beautiful fear of a holy, reverend God. And Lord, may they draw near to you and gain wisdom and understanding. And may their intimacy with you as it grows keep them from being intimidated by anybody. And Lord, may they truly be trained in the way of the Lord. May we as parents be mindful this week. May we find ourselves cheering them on, shadowing them, encouraging them in an appropriate measure for them to become everything you've called them to be. So Lord, help us to lead them in the way that they should go, that they may never turn from it. Lord, we trust in you. We acknowledge you with all of our ways and we pray that for the students even as they influence some of their friends that are outside of a relationship with you. May our students be a powerful witness that one of the strongest things they can encourage a friend to do is not just stay clear from evil and bad things and to be diligent but they can encourage their friends to acknowledge you in all their ways. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we get to do this, to raise and nurture and inspire one another. Lord, as we as a congregation and church family this week seek to take up an assignment of reading one chapter of Proverbs a day for a month, may you impart to us the wisdom that you desire. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.